It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody could ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk and Paul Dottino with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. It's all presented by the New York Lottery. The Giants, of course, coming off a disappointing loss in the closing seconds, a high-scoring game, 37-34 to the Dallas Cowboys. I want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live can be found on the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. It also includes the Giants Huddle Podcast and the Giants Rewind Podcast, which just got posted yesterday with Sean O'Hara. He gives a full breakdown of the game versus the Cowboys, including a lot of talk about how the offensive line's playing and the evaluation of Andrew Thomas so far this year. Mr. Dettino, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Yes, hello, John. A couple of rainy days here in North Jersey, but I guess that kind of fits the emotions right now, doesn't it? Yeah, a little nasty. Giants now 0-5, of course. Very disappointing. Last place in the NFC East. And the Giants, in addition to the loss, and we will talk more about the game, you had Lance and Jeff yesterday. You'll get Paul and I our take today. But the Giants announcing what a lot of us feared as he got carted off the field during Sunday's game, Giants outside linebacker slash edge rusher, third-year player Lorenzo Carter diagnosed with a ruptured Achilles tendon. He will undergo surgery, which, of course, means he is out for the year. And, of course, the hope would be that he's back for training camp uh, next season, depending on the success of the surgery and the rehab. And, Paul, this is a big loss, especially just a couple days after the Giants had to push O'Shane Zimenez on injured reserve with a shoulder injury. Now, they seem to think that's going to be a shorter-term deal, that he can be back in three games, perhaps when he gets off injured reserve. Two more left. He missed the game on Sunday was his first. But a big loss for Carter. I thought he was really playing his best football this year. You know, I'm not sure he was ever going to be that 12-15 to 15 sack guy, but he's so assignment sound, so good against the run, good at setting the edge. And you could tell that the coaching staff really appreciated what he brought to the field because he was playing nearly 90% of the snaps out there, and it is a big loss for the defense. Well, in short, John, you can count on him. Really, that's what it comes down to. Lorenzo Carter in his third pro season, although the stats indicate that he was really doing nothing more than he did in his first two years, was clearly playing more consistent football, was in the right place at the right time, was a guy you never had to worry about busting an assignment or an alignment. Uh, and quite frankly, we can say this, John, because we know him. He's a really good a guy. A really good guy, absolutely. Terrific teammate. And just my heart goes out to him. I mean, I understand Dak Prescott had had a gruesome injury in the game that's costing him his season. Well, you know what? Unfortunately, you know, it kind of got glossed over. I guess in New York, we're the only people that really talked about it. But Lorenzo Carter's injury, you know, my, my heart goes out to him just as well because he's going to lose his entire season. And for him, we always talk about third year is the breakout year. This is the year where he seemed to be so much more consistent in terms of his play. And, you know, with the new coaching staff, they obviously liked him. You talked about his snap count, John. They don't just give those snaps away for free, you know. You have to earn them. And he did. And I just, I, I'm, I'm really, really heartbroken over, over Lorenzo's injury. But I will say this, at least the Giants have 
a number of players at outside linebacker that can at least try to make up for those snaps. We know Marcus Golden's role will probably increase. Fackrell's role will increase. We know that yesterday coach mentioned Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown, the two rookies who haven't really had uh, much of a blink of an eye of action so far. They probably are going to start getting some playing time. Yeah, Paul, even though Marcus Golden's snaps are down heading into that Cowboys game, he actually still had the second most pass rushing snaps. I know. You know, on the team among outside linebackers. And he just isn't being used, or wasn't being used, I should say, uh, on running downs, on mm-hmm. first and second down. But he was still the second most used pass rusher at edge other than Lorenzo Carter. So he's now going to get used more on first and second down. You mentioned the rookies. Kyler Fackrell's snap's going to go up. And I think, frankly, he's played pretty well this year in his time. He's made some plays in the pass game and in the run game. So these guys will have a chance to step up. And to your point, Fackrell and Golden are not going to play 100% of the snaps. No. Even if those guys are both around 80 or 75, you're still looking at 50% of the snaps – that are going to have to get scooped up by either Cam Brown or Carter Coughlin. Now, earlier in the year, Joe Judge said that they were starting to work Coughlin at inside linebacker a little bit. I don't know if he's moved a little bit back towards outside linebacker. We're not out there to see practice, so we can't really see what's going on with that. And Cam Brown, someone that hasn't really played a lot of defensive snaps, but he's been a very good special teams player. So one of those guys has a lot of snaps, probably 30, 40 snaps a game, that they're going to be able to pick up with Zimenez and Carter both injured. And you know what, John? There could be a wild card surprise in here, too, because let's face it, the Giants are obviously in a mix-and-match matchup kind of mode with their personnel. We've already seen that through the first five games of the season. They are not afraid on a week-to-week basis or even a quarter-to-quarter basis of changing guys out. And I think we've all been surprised at some of the player deployment they've used to this point. So who is to say that we should disqualify Crowder or Brunson or Downs from potentially getting a couple of those snaps? Or for that matter, who's to say the Giants just won't go with an extra defensive back and wind up playing a a jumbo dime and using one one of their DBs up in the box? I mean, especially now that Peppers is back. So I... I don't. I hesitate to even guess because I know enough about Patrick Graham to know that he's probably got a surprise somewhere in his pocket. Yeah, and then on third down, maybe they would move Leonard Williams as a hand in the dirt defensive end. You know, rather, you know, when they're running that four man even sure, front, that's absolutely possible. They, they could theoretically do that too if they're trying to find an extra pass rusher. Uh, on third down. So that's something we'll have to figure out. And to your point, they really do try to match it up week to week. um, And we'll see how the Giants decide to deal with that. It'll be fun to see. It'll be another obstacle, unfortunately, for Patrick Graham to to try to overcome, Paul. And, And before we get to the game specifically, you know, it's a really shame with the Carter thing. And we've seen it with a couple other players too, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard. Going into this year, my big refrain, as much as people were excited about, you know, Adding James Bradbury, adding Blake Martinez. I think those guys have been good additions. And, you know, adding Andrew Thomas in the draft and adding, you know, the other guys in the draft this year, Xavier McKinney. To me, how well this team played this year was going to be determined by how well the guys drafted from 2017 to 2009. Throw 2016 in there, too. From 2016 to 2019, guys still on their rookie contract. How are those guys going to play this year? That's the Sterling Shepherds, the Saquon Barkley's, the Evan Ingram's, the Dalvin Tomlinson's, the Lorenzo Carter's, the Will Hernandez's, the Julian Love's, all through down that list. And we're seeing those integral guys so far this year, Paul, either getting hurt, 
You know, you have Julian Love as a guy who, who's been, you know, getting fewer snaps now rather than more. And we just haven't seen, I don't think, the, the exponential growth we were hoping to from those guys because of injury and other circumstances. Yeah, the two-word phrase that I was using a lot of times during the spring was internal improvement. And that refers to exactly the group of players that you have just talked about, John. And the Giants needed the combination of several rookies to immediately contribute with the internal improvement of the cluster that you referred to. Combining those two things was going to determine the upside for the Giants' record in 2020. Yeah. And we see now already the potholes, the detour signs, the bridges that have rusted away that have prevented the Giants from getting to the other side of the mountain. And it's a shame because it it all happened so quickly at the beginning of the season and put them now in an 0-5 hole. Yeah. I agree, and, you know, those guys will have to try to continue to improve throughout the year, and some of them have been doing really well. Like, Dexter Lawrence has played very well this year. Dalvin Thomason has played well this year. So it isn't like a uniform thing throughout, but you just haven't had enough of them to to avoid this 0-5 record. All right, Paul, I don't want to go through the nitty-gritty necessarily of the game on Sunday. You can give me some of your big points if you want, obviously. Um, just a couple trends that I've noticed that watching the tape of this game, and I thought it was a continuation for what we saw the week before. So I'll throw a couple of these out. One by one, and then I can let, and then you can kind of touch on anything specific you want to touch on uh, about the game. I thought for a second straight week, uh, the Giants defensively. I'll start there, Paul, against yep. an explosive offense like the Rams and the Cowboys. Now they're explosive in different ways in how they do it, but they're both explosive offenses relying the big play. We saw almost identical strategies against both teams in that they played mostly zone. Uh, I think Pro Football Focus had them, and watching the tape, I saw the same thing. Had only four or five plays where they played man defense, cover one or cover zero. There were some, you know, cover two man under with, you know, the two safeties deep and playing man under, but that's not really traditional man-to-man. Uh, they played mostly zone. They kept everything in front of them. Uh, the Cowboys only had four passes that went for more than 20 yards, only one that went for more than 25 yards, and that was, guess what, the Michael Gallup play at the end of the game Mm -hmm. that turned into the game-winning play, which, by the way, the Giants played man-to-man on. So they're really— And he was there. Yeah, he was there. Lewis was there. I mean, Gallup had a step on him, but it wasn't bad coverage, certainly. And Gallup had to make a very good play in the ball in order to make it. So the Giants, I think, have adopted against these explosive— offenses, and we talked about this on the pregame show on Sunday, where we're just not going to let you beat us over the top, all right? We're going to play cover two. We're going to play cover three. We're not. We're going to keep things in front of us, and if you want to run the ball for five yards a carry, all right, cool. Go ahead. You know, Ezekiel Elliott had a good game. 19 rushes, 91 yards. That's very effective. His longest run was 12 yards. Mm-hmm. He had two rushes for 10 yards or more. That's a win. Now, I think and I think this is telling to Patrick Graham's strategy, right? I bet you this week against the Redskins, we're going to see a lot more cover one, right? We're going to see a lot more, you know, traditional what we usually see because the Redskins don't have that same type of explosive firepower. Right. But that is one of the trends I think we've seen. And guess what? When the Bucks show up on November 2nd, we're probably going to see that again. Well, I would think the Bucks, probably the Seahawks are going to draw the same type Arizona of Arizona, for sure. You know? Arizona yeah. with their spread, for sure. It's And this is why Patrick Graham and Joe Judge continue to tell us that it doesn't matter who is sitting where on the depth chart. It's all about what package does that guy fit into and what package are we going to play in a particular game. You know, people get so caught up in who's starting. That's a bunch of crap. It means nothing. So I'm with you on that, John. I think what I really felt bad about for the Giants 
is that they executed a lot of the philosophy that I thought they needed to to win the game. They kept Dallas, in all honesty, when you consider what had happened during the course of the game, they kept them close. They had the lead a number of times. Uh, They were in it. I had said the magic number was eight possessions, right? Well, guess what? What did Dallas do? They scored the winning field goal on their ninth possession. So the, the, the Giants won the time of possession like they needed to. They reduced Dallas to nine possessions because one of the possessions, that, if you remember, they fumbled on their first snap. So really that didn't even amount to a possession. Oh, it wasn't it even a drive. counts as a possession, though. It's a possession, but it's not ball. a drive. It's not a drive. Fair. I'm, I'm talking about a drive. Right. And, and when, you, when you fumble the ball on the first snap, that's not a drive. Mm-hmm. Your defense didn't have to do anything to keep them out of the end zone. Well, Paul, and, Paul, and by the way, and even better, if you don't want to count that as a drive, then you can make the argument the Cowboys tied the game and won the game on their ninth and tenth possessions, which still proves your point. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, 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 and the, the thing about it is they did what they wanted to do. They won the time of possession. They kept the number of drives down. Uh, I, I, I was, you know, they, they ran the ball somewhat effectively. It wasn't great, but they ran it somewhat effectively. These were all key factors in the core philosophy that was going to give them an opportunity to potentially win the game. And that's exactly what they did. They did all the things on the checklist that they had to do to give themselves a chance. But what did they also do? They made some very, very critical mistakes, and and Lance is very right about this. They make them at the wrong times. And then, of course, you know, we've got, um, uh, as what's what's his name? Mike Pereira said it the other day. Terry McCauley has said it on Twitter. You have a a lot of inconsistencies in, in the games so far as they're being called, and that's just something that everybody has to live with, so I'm not gonna go there. But the bottom line is, you know, the Giants did everything philosophically that they had to do, and I, and I appreciate the fact that the coaching staff gave the players a real shot to win the yeah. game, and that's good. That's good. And they won the turnover battle, which is something they hadn't done yet this year, Paul. They were mm-hmm. plus one. Uh, that set up two of their scores, which was obviously great for the Giants. It didn't make their offense kind of march up and down the field like they had to. One other trend, and you mentioned this, that I'll mention before we get to your calls at 201-939-4513. I see we got a full bank here, is the running game, Paul. And it wasn't spectacular, all right? Um, I think It was I, effective, though. The running backs combined for what I think. Let me do the math in my head real quick. I wrote this down before, then I lost the sheet of paper. The running backs combined 23 carries for 87 yards. You know, you're not going to throw a parade for that. No, but, no. But it's also not 18 carries for 32 yards, which is something they did earlier in the year. Right. So it's progress. And if you look at how they're running the ball, Paul, and we talked about this before the year, too, and, and Joe Judge specifically, and Mark Colombo, I think, did too, so did Jason Garrett, they need to figure out what these players do well, right? And what we've seen the last two weeks, and look, we'll see if it continues because they do shift based on the scheme they're playing. But we've seen them go away from zone running scheme. We mm-hmm. haven't seen nearly as much outside zone or inside That's true. zone. We've seen so much more downhill, counters, power, pulling guards, pulling tight ends, duo, mm-hmm. which is you know th- two or three double team blocks up front. It's a much more downhill man, power, counter, running style gap scheme than the type of zone scheme that we saw a lot of the last two years from this team. So uh, that, to me, has been a big change the last two weeks, and I think a reason the running game has been more effective. Well, we also thought that uh, because of what Elliott ran in Dallas, a lot of times they would run outside zone. And we're not seeing nearly as much of that as we thought we would. 
and you're you're 100% right but i also believe see for me i'm really i i like i like Devontae freeman i know the numbers are not sticking out right now he's only been here a couple of weeks and they're not setting fireworks off but i like the way he runs he's gritty he always was he's the kind of guy who who attacks the defender it's not just he's absorbing the hit. He's making sure that that defender knows he's been hit too. And I, I, I'm a big fan. I, I, I like that he's going to wind up becoming the primary guy. We saw it this past weekend for the first time where he really started to become the lead back in this offense. I think that's going to continue. And quite frankly, uh, I, I do think that the Giants' running game is going to be better primarily because of him. It's not just the chemistry factor. I do think that... He, he, because of his experience and his two 1,000-yard seasons, I think, you know, he does have the vision, the patience, the understanding of what he sees. I think if a, if a play isn't blocked right, I think because of, of his years in the NFL, he can still make something out of it. And with his grit, he can still force his way forward for three yards. Look, what did I, what did I say the other day on the pregame? Well, I think it was on the pregame with BBK. If you get three and three, on your first two downs, just by running the ball. Yeah, now people say, well, three yards a carry, that's not very good. Okay, but what does that mean, John? It's third and four. Third and four is a hell of a lot more manageable than third and six and plus, which is where the Giants' stats indicate they've got a great deal of difficulty. I would like to see Freeman hit the hole a little bit quicker sometimes, Paul. I feel like sometimes he stutter steps a little bit in the backfield, but he doesn't have to. And I kind of like that about Goldman. I feel he's like kind of rusty. Yeah, no, that, and again, that that absolutely could be the case. And I like the, I like the way Goldman's run the ball, too, to be honest with you. He had a couple of big runs late in the game, uh, just like he had two weeks ago in this game against Dallas, too. Last thing I'll mention... Uh, I think the passing game right now, Paul, and I was very specific watching the tape very slowly on it this week, it's it's getting killed by the pass protection. It, it just is. There were opportunities to make plays down the field. I know people are begging for, you know, seam passes to Evan Ingram. Well, guess what? Evan Ingram was wide open down the seam on a play. You know what happened? Daniel Jones was getting dragged to the ground mm-hmm. while he was running wide open down the seam. Mm-hmm. You know, in the sack fumble play, when uh, Demarcus Lawrence beat, Andrew Thomas and, and sack Daniel Jones. Golden Tate split two defensive backs and it was running with about two yards of separation mm-hmm. right down the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Potential touchdown. Yep. So I saw on tape this week some of those design shots down the field and they just did not have the ability to get to them when they called those shots. And I think that, I think if once people get to look at the All-22, they'll see that. There were opportunities to get the ball down the field in this game. They just couldn't get to him. Well, you know, John, I think it's interesting when you look at Daniel Jones's stat line. If you just close your eyes to the game for a second and look at his stat line, it was a solid stat line. It's fine. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. I would take that every single week, right? You know, you'd like to see a touchdown catch, a touchdown pass in there. You know, he had none of those. He also had no interceptions, though. He didn't. He didn't throw the ball in harm's way at all. Well, well he, he he had the one. He had the one when he tried to get it on that little quick out to Ingram when the tight end when the linebacker undercut it a little bit. That could have yeah. been picked. That 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 was the only one. Yeah. Okay. Okay, uh, but but as as Romo said on not Romo was it Romo? Yeah, it was Romo on the telecast. I don't know. Said, I'm no, not Ingram's watching. The, I'm not watching the telecast. I don't know who said. I know. I know. Well, I'm forced to now because <laughs> no, we I can't know. travel. I know. Uh, as Romo said, Ingram could have done a better job of cutting his route off, mm. uh, and he allowed the defensive back or the linebacker to actually get better position than he should have, and he he thought that that was on Ingram's route, uh, and I I tended to agree. 
So, I mean, I, look, John, there is no question that the, the offensive line still has work to do. And I guess it's really disappointing because, you know, you say, oh, you put up over 30 points. Holy good God, especially for a team that was averaging about 12 a game. You, you, you know, you really want to smile at that. But then you say, well, yeah, but there were still things that they could have done better that would have maybe even let them score 40 points. And seven was a defensive touchdown, and the other seven came off a short field mm-hmm. off an Andy Dalton fumbled snap. So, and let's not forget two out of three in the red zone also. Yeah, good point too. Okay. Uh, so And too anyway. many field goals, not enough touchdowns. You know, that's just kind of the way well, it Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, Paul, that, that's, I'm that's sorry. one of the things that Lance – well, that's one of the things that Lance always likes to point yeah. to. How many times do you set up for three instead of seven? You know, that it, – it's funny. We, we had quite a dispute twice last week about, you know, the number of drives and the time of possession versus the number of touchdowns and the number of field goals. It turned out Lance and I were both right. Well, I, think, <laughs> I well, and I, and I and I was forced to listen to a couple of those arguments, by the way. Unfortunately, I know. which was I'm sorry, which was not fun for me. But I think both of you guys were kind of whistling past the wind there because, like, guys, both are important. I mean, like, you would rather have a touchdown drive on three plays than a field goal sure. drive on eleven plays, but you'd rather have a touchdown drive on eleven plays than a touchdown drive on three plays. So it go it goes both ways. You obviously take the points regardless of, of length of drive, but against an explosive offense, you want to stay on the field as long as you can. Anyway, we got a full bank of calls, Paul at 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter if you want to get in touch with us that way. And don't forget, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. Make sure you get out there and play. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino with you reacting to Giants, Cowboys, and the Lorenzo Carter injury. Let's go to the phones at 201-939-4513. Let's start with Brandon in New Jersey on line one. He'll lead us off today. Brandon, what's up? Oh, how's it going, you guys? What's going on? Hi. Uh, uh, I just had a couple quick ones. I'm just running them down. Uh, I know you guys got a lot of calls. Number one, defense I didn't see too much bad. You know, it looks a lot better than last year, of course. And uh, the only thing I'd like to see is, like, when we have the cover two and we saw C.D. Lamb was eating up the center of the field like that, and every time he goes in the slot, I would just, if I was Patrick Graham, he'd try to disguise that too because as soon as they saw it, they ran that same play, what, four times, five well, times? Well, Brandon, here's the problem. When, when you play zone, it's designed on that cover two and cover three to take out the sideline. That's why Michael Gallup did nothing until the final two plays. That's why mm-hmm. Amari Cooper did nothing until the final two plays. The weakness in those zones is the middle of the field. So, yep, right. You can't cover everything. <laughs> you can disguise it, though. I'm not saying that you got to cover everything, but I was saying that. Yeah, if but the you, Cowboys. The Cowboys had, Lamb, yeah, but the, Brandon, the Cowboys had that play called in the huddle. That isn't an audible. No, I didn't say it was an audible, but CeeDee Lamb definitely lined up in the slot every single time. So if I'm Patrick Graham, they burnt us twice on the same play. It's not that we stop running cover two, we just maybe try not to leave both safeties so high. You know, like right at their pre-snap snap read. Maybe try to show a blitzes. You know, instead to make Dalton make a uh, an audible from that play because that play was eating us up. And you have is what's the the saying? Run it till they stop it. If they're gonna keep running it, right? They're gonna keep doing it as long as it's gaining forty yards every time, right? They're gonna keep running that play. You know, I, I would only warn you away. of one thing, and I, I'm not disagreeing that you know you, you you're trying to figure out something that's going to stop something to burn the team. But at the same time, do you remember how many times in the first month of the season it seemed as though the defensive backs did not know what the other guy was doing? Just that's remember, true. the more complicated yeah, right, you make it. True. Right. The more complicated right. you make it, the more chance that someone's going to bust the coverage, 
like like Julian Love did the previous week and allowed Cooper Cup to go for a touchdown. Well, hopefully and, as defensive continuity begins to build, because, I'm, of course, we have new players, Logan Ryan, all these new add-ons. Some of them are even after the season started. So, of course, well, there's, there's probably I some think communication. Five, of them. five DBs, right, so I think, have come here since the season opened. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, I, see, I didn't have any high expectations for the Giants. So all I'm looking for game-to-game is improvements. Sure. So that's something I would like to see change. Like, if you're getting beat by this play, even with the con- – at some point, as a defense, you have to be able to, to adjust. You can't just keep getting beat by the exact same play over and over. All right, on, on to the next one. The other thing I had was I'd like to see on offense, we start running uh, more plays like that are effective, more plays that are designed – to, um, I guess, more or less counters. One of the plays I see, I've seen now three weeks in a row is Daniel Jones comes to the line, he shifts the whole line, uh, well, he shifts the left side to the right side, and then they run uh, opposite of the shift every mm-hmm. single time. I would like to see that run into a counter. It's on film now. I don't know how many times you run the same play. And then it got so bad that uh, in the third quarter, they tried to run that, and there was a guy just literally, he didn't even try to rush upfield. He just stopped. It was like, oh, you're coming here. You're yeah. coming right here. I'll wait for you. At some point, run a counter to that. Run a play-action pass out of that. If you're going to do that shift and it's like a alert alert for the defense, then run it. You know what I mean? Like, as a play caller, at some point you have to be like, all right, well, when you do the shift next time, run a play-action this time. Don't just run it right opposite of the shift. I've seen that play so many times. It's not going to fall, and like many defenses are not going to fall for that as the year goes on. And that's one of our best running plays at the moment. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to get to, and I'll take your, you know, your opinions on those two uh, at, at the end is uh, um, Daniel Jones. I, I feel like Daniel Jones does not see the left side of the field. I know he's getting rushed. I know he, but two weeks now, one of his runs last week, he ran off to the right, and Golden Tate ran a curl route on the left side of the field and was wide open and I don't think he even looked to the left side of the field and, one of, and that was like I, I'm don't play in the NFL of course but it was like it felt like a pre-snap read when you had that corner so far off and if you knew he was running a curl you I would think that was the guy you should have keyed like right at the beginning pre-snap I know he's a rookie or somewhat of a rookie but it seems like you're not seeing any of it so far I haven't seen Daniel Jones throw a pass to the left side of the field especially outside of the hash mark unless it was a swing uh, bubble screen. That's the only thing he's thrown to the left. Other than that, he bails to the right. He looks to the right. He looks. To, if you're only throwing the ball to half the field, you guys. Well, what's going on with the passing offense? We're right there. You're only throwing the ball to half of the field, unless Ingram's on a drag route, or you're throwing this bubble screen to the left. Everything else goes to the right. Even which way he bails out of the pocket, it's like he's afraid of the left side of the field. You can't be. Uh, you're not going to be a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback that way. You know, you see them all. They, that was the best thing we loved about Eli. He would survey the field. He would go through his progressions, even under severe duress, right? He would still get through. He would find the open man. Well, so far, Brandon, like, Brandon, I can tell you. Brandon, I can tell you. Beyond 10 yards, and I'm, I'm going to combine all the ranges here for you to make it easy, okay? When, when, sure. da- when Daniel Jones throws the ball beyond the line of scrimmage, so anything in front of the line of scrimmage, He's thrown uh, 26, 28 passes outside the numbers to the left, and he has thrown 30 passes outside the numbers to the right. So it's a difference of two passes. 
All right, well, the numbers don't lie, but my eye is definitely saying another, you know, something else because it feels like every. I don't know, you guys. For now, me, now, Brandon, I, down I, the I know field. I've been spoiled with Eli for a long time, right. but for me, it just feels like all. T- there used to be even in the worst Giants years with Eli on the field when he got the ball and we were only down three points. You felt like ah. He can get down this field, I think. Yeah, I think Eli's doing this. And Daniel Jones, it just feels like I don't think he knows who's open even. I it just man, he's he, a you young know, pup. Just, Thank I, you, Brandon. Yeah. Pup. Appreciate the call, buddy. <laughs> no, but look, though, and, and if you go down the field more, by the way, um, over twenty yards, two passes to the left, five to the right, and then from uh, eleven to twenty. It's six passes to the left, ten to the right. So it does, you know, go a little bit towards the right side of the field, but it isn't like ridiculously out of proportion when you when you take a look at it, Paul. Uh, believe it or not, I thought the one interesting thing is that Jones actually. Uh, let me see if I can get the exact numbers here. He completed his first two passes to the left side of the field between um, eleven and twenty yards last week, and outside the numbers going into this last week's game. By the way, Paul. Daniel Jones had not completed any passes between 11 and 20 yards outside the numbers before this Cowboys game. Hmm. He did five this week. I thought it was really obvious. I thought last year he was actually really good on some of those comebacks and deep outs Yeah, outside the numbers in that range. I imagine part of it is the fact that they played some heavy zone defenses the first couple weeks, right? And those routes generally don't work so well against those zones because people are dropped into those areas of the field. Oh, uh, but I, against the Cowboys, who play a lot more man, those passes are probably a lot more available. Well, I think there's a bigger reason for that, John. Remember, if you're going to throw outside the numbers, you need more time. That's a good point, too. Okay. And unfortunately, you know, Daniel Jones, in a lot of cases in the first month of the season, wasn't getting the time that you need to develop those proper routes outside the numbers. So, therefore, you know, you're going to have a propensity to try to throw it more over the middle. I, I will say this. You know, Bill Parcells used to tell us all the time, and I always hearken back to him because, let's face it, he, you know, he's the godfather as far as I'm concerned. Well, next to Gil Brandt, I guess. <laughs> but at least in Giants lore, he's the godfather. And, and Bill used to say all the time, and I remember how fond he was of Troy Aikman when Aikman came out of UCLA. And Aikman's rookie season, he was just an absolute mess. Oh, he was a disaster. It was one of the worst seasons that any rookie quarterback has ever had. And he got benched, right, for Walsh. He he was just brutal, absolutely brutal. And I remember Parcells telling us downstairs in the press room during one of his many off-the-record conversations, which I can now reveal on the record, how much he absolutely believed that Troy Aikman was special and had everything you wanted to have in a quarterback. And he said, fellas, never forget, he had a little cigarette. Fellas, thing with these quarterbacks is, okay, you got to wait 30 games. You got to get 30 games under your belt. Now, in those days, remember the season wasn't 16. Okay, it was only 12, uh, 14 games. It wasn't 16. So basically, what he's saying is you got to get into your third season of being a starter. You got to start for two seasons, and then, you know, in that third year, by the third year or maybe a month in, that's when you're going to see what the guy really is because Bill always believed. And the game is even more complicated now with massive substitutions all over the place, John, and you know that. That you had to get that many snaps in during live game action. Forget about practice. Forget about watching tape. Forget about, you know, all the studying that you're doing. You needed to get about 30 games in real game action. Regular season, not preseason. Regular season games to fully figure out 
what this quarterback was going to be. And where's Daniel Jones? 17 in, John? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. okay. 17 starts. Okay. So so come on. We're, we're barely past the halfway point of what Daniel Jones is going to be if you subscribe to the Parcells theory, which, of course, I do. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. Make sure you get out there and play. And Paul, I actually did a radio hit for uh, one of our stations up there in, in Syracuse this morning, and they asked me, well, John, if you had to make the decision right now and the Giants are picking first and Trevor Lawrence is there, would you pick him? And I said, guys, you don't have to make that decision today. That's the beauty of this. Yeah, right. You know, you want to ask me how Daniel Jones has done this year? I'm going to tell you it's a big I. Incomplete. Mm-hmm. I don't know yet. <laughs> I don't know. We talked about how challenging the season was going to be. Look, are there things that are disappointing with, you know, the, the turnover issues not going away? Absolutely. Are there things that he needs to improve on? Absolutely. But to, the, to pretend you have to make these decisions now after five games is not only foolish, it's counterproductive. You're hurting yourself because you're making your decisions without all the information you're going to have at your disposal. So yeah. it's really, really, really silly. You know, Benigno asked me that on my FAN hit the other day, too. <laughs> I'm not too. surprised. He did the same thing. Bro, and I told bro, him that the question bro. was really, yeah. I told him the question was really irrelevant. And I said, well, if Daniel Jones were to get hurt like, like Prescott was, I didn't say that at the time. I said, look, if he has a career-threatening injury, if something bad happens to him, well, then certainly I would think about it. Uh, if he throws 30 interceptions and only five touchdown passes the rest of the season, yeah, I probably would think but about Paul, it. Well, here's the thing. We don't, have, we don't even you know, have to project. Well, like, that's the point. The point? The, the, well, so I said to him, I said, short of something absolutely catastrophic, chances are I'm, I, at the point the question's moot. It, it, it's irrelevant. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Paul. I, I think it is. All right, fine. That's okay. You know, he probably thinks that way because Donald's been now in his third partial season as a starter, and he hasn't shown anything. I get it. I get it. But, you know, Donald has fewer excuses, even though he doesn't have a a great coach. Donald Donald has plenty of excuses, too, with the stuff that's been around him. Yeah, but what he he does have is the consistency of a coaching staff and an offensive scheme. Uh, Not not after his first year, he doesn't. No, but the last two years he does. Well, one year and three games, whatever it was. Well, right. And 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 quite frankly, okay, um, Daniel, you know, last year he was thrown into the lineup prematurely. Sure I think both of us realize that. 201-939-4513, Big Blue Kickoff Live, is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. Giants fans get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC. Antonio's in New York. He's up next. What's up, Ant? Hey, what's going on, guys? It's been a long time since I've been on the show, but I'm glad to be back. Hey, thanks for calling. What's up? Good. So just want to make a couple of points. First of all, on the defense, you can still see that we are just one linebacker away from just being decent, um, you know, we need to we need to get somebody that could pass, that could that could play the pass, that could play coverage, and we just don't have that. And uh, Antonio, I, I want to pause you for a second. You might want to add a pass mm-hmm. rusher and a cornerback in there too. Just saying. <laughs> I think. I mean, here's the thing. I think that you you know I want a Batman work. pass rusher. You know that. I, I would like a pass rusher, but I'm saying that's not the dire need right now. We have Ooh, a really good D line, guys. What we need is we need to get coverage so these guys won't throw so quick. Yeah, but, and, and Antonio, with that said, remember, the mm-hmm. Cowboys with their backup quarterback executed two drives at the end of the game to tie and win Dawson. with field goals. That, that, it's no, Andy no. Dawson. What happened? 
He's had plenty of games. It's Andy Dalton. He's a backup, yeah, but he's a he's been an NFL QB for a really long time. Yeah, no, 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 no that, that's fine. That but one, but 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 those drives he have made nothing. The no, that that's fine. But those drives have nothing to do with the Giants linebackers. Right. No, no, no. Well, but well, I mean, did. he's he not Dalton. Dalton may be a backup with the Cowboys, but with his experience and the quality of play that he's shown over the years, he's a legit NFL. No, that's fair. That's fair. No argument, no argument, no argument. And by the way, he threw some terrific balls, and his receivers, can I use this phrase again? They came and played above the X's and the O's. They made contested catches. Listen, it's going to be real interesting to see Andy Dalton with that high-powered offense, but it's not a, it's not a Dallas show. This is a Giants show. <laughs> one, th- one thing that bothered me about the last, like, five minutes or four minutes of the drive when Andy Dalton went to, to – to, when they about to – when they hit the long pass, it was that they were playing two-man high the whole time, and the Cowboys were just like, all right, cool, we're just going to run it the way all the way up there. And they did. And my thing was like, listen, why don't you play that cover one or that cover three in the box, and if they do hit you over the top, then then you have a, plenty of time to score. But what you do is you're just going to keep giving them the yards, keep chewing up the clock, and then we don't get a chance to even go back at that. So that oh, bothers oh, me. No, Antonio, hold on a second. Hold on a second. The mm-hmm, Giants mm-hmm. got the ball back in a tie game with right. 5.03 to go in the fourth quarter. They had the punt, and then they had it again with a minute 20 seconds to go at their own 24-yard line, and they hit the punt there, too. That had nothing to do with time. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the third quarter. The Giants got the ball back with a minute 50 to go in the game with the tie to 34. That has nothing to do with time on the clock. The Giants had plenty no, of time to go down the field and score. I'm, I'm talking about the Cowboys, the, the, the Giants' defense, when they were just getting – when the last drive, the Cowboys just ran it up. They just ran a whole bunch of running plays. No, they didn't. They the passed went... it four times on the on the. No, Antonio, uh, you're getting the drives mixed up on the yeah. Cowboys okay. on the Cowboys game yeah. tying drive to make yeah. it 34 34. They ran the ball a lot. That's true. Okay. But after that drive, the Giants still had a minute fifty seconds with the tie game to try to win it. So time wasn't necessarily a factor there. You know what I'm saying? My thing is just like why why play why play that cover two shell and just let them go? It's, it was it was kind of like prevent defense to be honest. It was not prevent defense. All right. Um, well, and another point I want to make in the offense is listen. I've I called last year and I said Jones ain't the guy. I'm still gonna stick to that, but I'm gonna say one thing: this it's not that Jones is the guy like he can't win for the Giants. He could be. I compared him to Alex Smith. I still think he fits the Alex Smith mold. What I but. He cannot win with Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator, and I'm gonna tell you, and I'm gonna explain why. Because right now, through all these games, what I don't see from from Daniel Jones is I don't see the creativity in terms of hey, he, you need to roll him out of the pocket, you need to have him scramble more option plays. I know you don't want him to get him killed. Look at Dak Prescott, but at the end of the day, you can't play scared in the NFL. Like, if you're going to have him there as a pocket passer, he's not Eli Manning. No, but Antonio, here's the thing. Daniel Jones last year as a pocket passer was nearly twice as effective as he was when he was thrown on the move outside the pocket. Yeah. He was and not good fair, at it. He was not good outside now. the no, – See, but Antonio, in, in theory, I like what you're saying. I would like to roll him out a little bit more. I understand why you say that, and I, I agree. In theory, it sounds good, but John is making a great point, and that is, in reality, Jones's production went down when, when you did that. So either, A, he's got to miraculously be better outside the pocket, or you're just yeah. going to have to live with keeping him in there. 
You, I mean, I, I get it. Sometimes, sometimes you can't really do what it is that you want to do. Defenses are doing run blitzes, and even if it's a play action or a pass, if he's just sitting in that pocket, they're going to get to him. And they're getting in really uncomfortable. They're getting in third and longs because of the play call. Jason Garrett, please have this kid like a design run. Or so. I mean, I, I hate design runs, so I'm not even going to say design quarterback runs. But yeah, please don't do to, that. <laughs> yeah, they need to get they need to get better at first down. And and listen, I understand the offensive people are saying the offensive line is, is bad, receivers can't get open. Okay, but at the end of the day, the quarterback is the one with the ball every single down. You he has to be the one to create something. And one more thing, Jones needs to give his receivers one on one fifty fifty ball. He does not do that enough. He did it to Slayton once, Slayton caught it. The other time he overthrew Slayton. But he needs to do that more often. And I'm not talking about 50-50 balls in the, between the 10 yards between or, or 15 yards. It needs to be down the field so that way it's competitive. If you do a 50-50 ball and it's, it, it's 10 yards, the defender is most likely facing the quarterback and it's a vantage defender. But when you throw it down the, down the field, it's a 50-50 ball and, the, and receiver, more, more likely than not, is going to have advantage over a corner that's why the corner plays defense. He doesn't play offense. And that's all I got, guys. You guys have a no, great one. Huh? Thank you, Antonio. I appreciate it. Yeah, look, I, I could see some more, you know, one-on-one contested throws down the field. You know, I could see that. The only guy I would trust with that right now is Slayton. You know, Tate is not a, you know, taller guy that's going to go up there and, and win, at, win at the catch point. Um, I can give you the numbers, by the way, Antonio, on the outside-the-pocket stuff. So, Paul, do you want me to include scrambles or just design rollouts? Well, what would you prefer I give I you think, here? I think the rollouts is a more accurate indication, don't you think? Okay, I will give you. I can give you both. Uh, on design rollouts, he said 14 pass attempts this year. He's seven of 14 for 41 yards and an interception. That's not great. If you include the scrambles this year, he is has 40 dropbacks, 28 pass attempts. 12 completions, 74 yards, and an interception. It's not great. No. No, I I think lost in what he was talking about, and he kind of slipped it in there very quickly, was the fact that the Giants are not very good on first down. Well, when you have trouble running the ball, that's a problem, right? We know that. Yeah. And that's why I said earlier in in our program, there's nothing wrong with getting three and three on your first two downs. Because what we found out going into last week, and I didn't look at the updated numbers around the league, but the Giants were smack in the middle when it came to third and five or less. Their third down conversion rate, smack in the middle of the league. Yeah. They're, they're, they're doing fine there. That, there's nothing wrong with that. None, in fact, it's one of their better offensive stats. But once you get to third and six and above, they're right down near the bottom. And well, again, so if you got third and four, figure it out. Third and four is actually yeah. good. That plays into their hands. And if you combine that with a lack of explosive plays, then that, that's when you have real trouble. Sure, no doubt. So um, I'm, I'm totally with him on the, on the first down issue, and I do understand the philosophy of trying to get him to roll out more. That does help your offensive line a little bit. But then again, you've got an offensive line that has had enough of trouble uh, leaking guys through now do you want to really have a, a rolling pocket where they now have to even, you know, do more because they've got to think, okay, which way is he going? All right, how, how we got to move the whole line. We got to make sure we got the flow going. It can be a little tricky. And by the way, I know a lot of people have criticized uh, Jason Garrett for not using enough play action, enough motion. 
Well, this week, Paul, uh, that was not the case. Uh, oh, the Giants use shifts or motion, and this is through Pro Football Focus, so I'm not just making this up. Giants use shifts or motions on 40 of their 62 plays this week. 64%. Sixth highest rate in the league, okay? Plenty. 12, yeah, it's funny. And by the well, way, one ahead, more. 12 of their 35 offensive pass plays were play action. Fifth highest rate in the league this mm-hmm. week. So they used both of those a bunch this week. Go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. No, you know what's funny? I mean— Go back and look at the game book, John, and I think, and I get it, they had a defensive touchdown and they had a turnover in outstanding field position. When you look at it, though, and you say, well, they had 62 plays for 300 yards, just under five yards of play. It just seemed, now you tell me if you felt the same thing, it seemed to me that they were more efficient than that. And I think because they were 7 of 13 on third down. Yeah, probably. Which is like miles ahead of where they've been in the first month. Well, and again, Paul, the problem you run into is that you can be efficient, you can move the ball, but if you get through a game and you only have one play of more than 21 yards and only yeah. two plays of more than 20, and you have one run of over 10 yards and that's it, yeah. it's hard to put up big offensive numbers when you're not getting chunk plays. That no, that's no not doubt. That's not how the league works anymore. If you want to get the 40 yards of offense, you need two 30-plus-yard pass plays Mm -hmm. or 40-yard run. You need to. You're not going to sustain these long drives. So until you can figure out a way to get more of those chunk plays, and again, a lot of that's to do with pass protection like I talked about earlier in the show, Sure. and also willingness to Antonio's point to take those you know contested catch shots down the field, you're not going to get these explosive offensive numbers until you getting start getting explosive offensive plays. It's just it's just the way it is. You know, part of that issue though, John, and I and I really think it's important for people to remember this. The Giants have obviously been bit over the last couple of years by a horrible turnover ratio. Right? Oh, brutal. Okay, so you keep pounding into your players' heads. We can't turn the ball over. We can't turn the ball over. We can't turn the ball over. You keep smacking that into Daniel Jones's head time after time after time. Okay? So then what happens? If now all of a sudden you go with an offensive philosophy that's going to take a lot more deeper shots down the field where your turnover risk becomes higher, well, now aren't you contradicting what you're trying to do when you say you want to be conservative, you want to play it close to the vest because you want to be safe with the ball and you don't want to turn it over. Because the more deep shots you take, not only is the potential for the interception there, but there's also the potential that he's going to get whacked and cough it up in the pocket. 201-939-4513. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. Make sure you get out there and play. Marco in Connecticut's up next. Hey, Marco. Hey, guys. How are you? What's up, bud? Hi. Um... You know, I, I, I got a couple thoughts on what you were just talking about, and then I have some questions about Daniel. Sure. Um, just these, these Sundays are killing me, guys. I'm not going to lie. These, Join the club, so... Marco. <laughs> You're not the only one. I know. <laughs> I, 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 I know. I, you know what, guys? I, I think of you guys with, with Jeff and Lance. You guys are like family. We've been through this for, I don't know, however long you've been on. But the last, li- listen, the last four years have been tough. Really four. tough. <laughs> I, Keep counting. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to be generous, but I know it's 12 wins since the Green Bay playoff game. Yeah, and yeah. so it's almost it's a little over 40 losses, and those Sundays um, are just killer, you know. And I, I so here we are again, and um, and I just I do I have con- I have confidence in the, in the, in the coach, and I have confidence in the um, 
in the quarterback. I do. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I was listening to what you were saying before about, like, some of the talk about the draft and, like, uh, Lawrence and Paul, the question you were getting on the fan. But you know what it is? It's like, it's like the last couple of years we – this draft talk creeps up in October because of the losses that just pile up, and it's hard, it's hard to ignore it. Um, I also think, too, this, uh, and, and the funny thing about quarterbacks is every year there are guys that get pushed up in the draft, but Lawrence has been a guy that's been really special on the radar for a while. Sure. Um, he, he's in the talk of, like, Andrew Luck, uh, Peyton Manning. So people have been talking about the number one pick. If you have the number one pick, you, like, it's like Zion Williamson last year. You have the number one pick, you have Zion. You have Lawrence this year. And the Giants, who, when I see the Giants, and we just drafted a quarterback, I think Jones is the guy. But I don't, you say 30 games, you say incomplete. I think he has the pedigree to be the guy. Well, Marco, Parcell says 30 games. I'm just quoting the, the tuna, that's all. Yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. I like, like, and then there's people that are watching Justin Herbert after two weeks, and they say, holy cow, we were wrong on him. This guy really is a leader. He's a guy. I'll get to him in a second. Um, but So I, I, I think the, the way people watch these things, they either move it up or they slow it down depending on what's going on. But with, but with the Giants' record currently, they have no choice that they're going to be up there. I, I Listen, the whole year, the, the season needs to play out. And I think it's unfortunate for Dave – Gelman and for Jones, that if they're picking that high, it's like Jerry Reese. I remember Jerry Reese. Remember him, Jerry Reese? I remember a while ago Jerry Reese said the Giants – it was the year we picked David Wilson, and he was getting asked before the draft about quarterbacks and Andrew Luck. And the big thing about Reese, how he never mentioned any players in his uh, pre-draft press conference. And, and he looked at the media and he was like, Guys, if you're asking me if we were at the top of the draft, would we pick Andrew Luck? Of course we would. And that's what Eli solidified. And I kind of think that's the deal here. It's like no matter what you show, unfortunately it might not be enough. It, it, it might not matter. Hey, look, Marco, Marco, here's the thing. <laughs> if you're sitting there and your evaluation of Trevor Lawrence is you, this is Peyton Manning, yeah, you probably take him no matter what. I have no idea what the Giants' evaluation of the player is. So, and look, I – I get where fans are coming from here. I'm a Nick fan. I'm already looking forward to the 2021 NBA draft, not even the 2020 NBA draft, all right? You sure it's not so, 2022? <laughs> it might be. So, <laughs> look, I get where the fans are coming from. But, look, we're operating on a week-to-week basis here. We have games going on, yeah. and we're trying to yeah. explain to fans what how the front office is thinking about this and how the team's thinking about this, right? I get as a fan your sight for the draft now. I get it. It's natural. I totally understand. But – Trying to come up with hypotheticals of what you would do six months from now when you have 11 games left on the schedule to me is counterproductive because what we're yeah. saying now it might mean nothing in two months when the facts on the ground change. You know what put, I'm saying? Put it this sure. way, Marco. There's free agency before the yeah. draft, too. Good point. And we're going to have months to decipher the free agency situation as well as the draft situation when we know where they're actually slotted to begin with. How about we figure that out first? They're not going to have the first pick, Marco. They're not. Trust me, they're not going to have the first pick. But here's what I will say. Please try your darndest, and I know it's difficult, but the residue of the last decade or so of disappointment should not be weighing on the shoulders of Joe Judge and Daniel Jones. Right, that's true. Good point. 
It is not their responsibility, okay, to answer to the disappointment of previous administration's mistakes, errors, or poor record. That is not on them. This Joe Judge should never have to deal with that burden. It's not his fault that he was hired by a team that had been struggling. It's just not. 100%. Nor is it Daniel Jones' fault that he was drafted by a team that is coming off some poor seasons. Nor is it his 100%. fault that he was prematurely put into the starting lineup when the Hall of Fame quarterback was pulled out too early. Yeah, Paul, Paul 100%. I think you would agree, though, we got to move this along a little bit here, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, well, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Everybody, okay. but 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 again, again, it's frustrating. It's difficult. It tastes really bad. But when you get sick, you got to take cough medicine for a few days to make it better, right? Well, right now, yeah. you're in cough medicine mode. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm sick of the antibiotics, Paul. I got you. <laughs> I got you. Thank you, Marco. We, I, 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 I got Can I ask a quick question? Yeah, really Please. fast. Um, okay, okay. I'm watching Herbert last night. Banged up offensive line. He's standing tall. He's stepping up. He's making throws. And it, uh, Daniel, I want to know about this. Is it the? Is are things moving too quickly? Is he unable to process? Because I, in the Dallas game, he he's 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 running. He's he's playing hard. But I notice a ton of dropping back constantly, backpedaling, throwing backpedaling, throwing under pressure. Why is he not stepping up? Is it because is Slayton really the only the only wide receiver? I'm not watching the old 22. Is he the only wide receiver that's running as like a deep threat and we just don't have other options to go, to push it downfield? I don't get that. Why that's happening? It's, it looks like everything is short and everything is under duress and he's always backing up. He's not standing tall in the pocket. Thank you, Marco. Appreciate the call, buddy. John, you, um, you, you answered the old 22 because I didn't look at the 22 yet, but I have an answer about the Herbert situation I'll get to in a second. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll give two quick answers, and, 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 and then I'll let Paul go. I thought it was weird, too. I thought he was kind of dropping and fading a little bit more in this game than he had in past games. I think that's accurate. You know, that was never been a, been a Jones problem, Paul. He's been a guy that stands mm-hmm. in the pocket, steps in the throw, and gets hammered. Mm-hmm. O- almost to his detriment sometimes because it turns into turnovers, right? Yes. So I, I, I thought that was very uncharacteristic this week. I agree, and I thought I saw a couple plays uh, that Marco described. I, I think that's correct. Um, I, and I can't speak to, obviously, what was going through his head when he was doing it. I don't have an answer for that. Um, I've been, I don't think Golden Tate's getting quite the separation he did last year, Paul. Um, I don't. I think he's also running a little bit of a different route tree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so is Ingram. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yes, I think Slayton right now is the, the true deep threat though. I did make the point. Tate was open on that deep post yeah. on that play action pass yeah, he yesterday. Was. He, was. he was open. He was open. So he, he did it when he got the opportunity to run that deep post. He ran and he was open. So uh, little yes. And you know, little no, I guess. <laughs> Sorry for the non consequential answer there, Paul. No, no, that's okay. I just wanted to add this. Did you see how Mike Williams and Keenan Allen (gasps) made plays above the X's and the O's on contested catches? Did you see that? You know, the wide receiver who can fight for the ball in a contested catch situation or who can get the 50-50 ball that he's got to reach or lunge for and hold on to it, well, it seems to me a lot of times these guys – who have better stats and these guys who are on the front end of the highlight that makes a big play on ESPN at night, on the other side of that ball, 
there's a really terrific, stupendous effort that's been made by those receivers to help those guys out. And I have to say, in general, since the days of Victor Cruz and Akeem Nix, the Giants receivers, while collectively, uh, you know, a pretty good bunch, they don't have enough of guys who consistently win the contested catch. They just don't, John. And I'm, that's not to insult these guys. But Boy. if you want to help your quarterback out a little bit more, that's what you've got to do. How quickly you forget Ramsey's Barton, Paul. I'm, I'm, I'm insulted. Wow. <laughs> we talking uh, Xbox? Hey, <laughs> Ramsey's is the patron saint wide receiver of this show. You will not speak ill of him. Yeah. We love Ramsey's. Nice and, fella. And, and, nice and, fella. And, and, and by the way, in all fairness, don't forget Odell Beckham Jr. He also made some contested Odell, catches. Odell, no, see, Odell, and I've, I've talked to too many coaches who tell me the same thing. Odell was athletic. He could be spectacular. But how many times did he actually wrestle a ball away from a defender? Okay, that's fair. But he but he would make acrobatic he did. catches on passes that were off the mark. He could, how about he could, that? He could do, yeah. But, but see, that's, that's different than contested catches. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. We got two more calls, Paul. I want to get him in before you say goodbye. Carl in Connecticut's up next. Carl? Hey, how you doing, bud? I'm the first-time uh, caller, and I listen to you guys all the time. Hey, Love thanks, Carl. Show. What's hey. going on, buddy? Uh, good, good, good. I just have a few comments. You know, and I listen to other callers, and as you guys know, I'm not telling you anything different. It all starts up front on both sides of the ball, and I just use the Dallas game. I think Daniel Jones was under so much duress. He had no time, and if you have no time, it's over. And I'm and I'm and I even go back. I'll go back to Phil Simms way back. Mm-hmm. He, the Reggie White and Clyde Simmons was his worst nightmare. He was like a sitting duck, and I love him. And when the offensive line improved, Phil Simms improved. It's just you know I listen. And it's just like folks, you, they're on Daniel Jones, and it's like you got to give the guy a chance, and you got to give him some time. The guy was running for his life, man. Carl, just remember I mean, something. Just, Before a quarterback can execute everything he's got to do and worry about all of the hurdles that he has to clear, he's also got to be able to trust that his offensive line is going to give him what he needs to effectively go through his checklist. And right now, that is still an issue for the Giants. Right, and I think he also, Paul and Fairness, has to get through that checklist a little bit quicker, too. He does. I, I still think there's, there's times where he sticks on that first guy a little bit too long when he needs to recognize, all right, that's not there. I need to go to number two here. Yeah, the process is still a little bit too slow at the moment. But again, we're talking about a guy who's only halfway through the Parcells test. No question. And, and yeah, my other points were, again, like with Joe Judge and the coaching staff, I think they're phenomenal. He's like a wizard to me. I listen to this guy. He just is. I think everybody, I mean, he just got in this year. They have to draft, of course. I mean, they need more players. There's no doubt. And I think once you give this guy some time, he just is a winner. He came from winning. You know what I mean? He just knows how to win. And you could see it. You could hear it in his when his, he's on his uh, press conferences. The guy just knows, and he just needs time. And, and my last point is, I'll just use Dak Prescott. And I'm so, you know, it's very terrible what happened. But I just want to use him as an example. He is a good quarterback. But if you look at his offensive line, there's always a different scenario. And his offensive line, when he started, was top-notch. So it's very hard to compare with other quarterbacks 
because they have other tools that are they're able to utilize. And just for me watching, oh, that's fair. that line was phenomenal. So I know a lot of people like to compare, but they got to look at the tools around them. I appreciate a call. You know Thank, what I mean? Yeah, I do. Thank you a lot for the call, man. We're getting close to one, so we we got to go pretty quick here. That's the one thing I will say, Paul. I was a little bit disappointed. I thought the Giants' pass rush could have done a little bit better against what was a makeshift, banged-up Cowboys offensive line. Like, we didn't hear them talk about Terrence Steele much the entire game. Mm-hmm. They should have been talking more about Terrence Steele during the course of that game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was particularly disappointed after Dalton came into the game because we know he's not going anywhere. He's sitting in that pocket, and I just did not see enough heat. By the way, Paul, did you hear Poppin Banks' call of that Prescott injury? I did not. Okay, we're close to 1 o'clock. Charlie, we're going to get you. Don't worry, I'm going to give you all the time you want. But I thought it was just a great call on the radio by Bob and Carl, the injury. Paul, and I think you'll appreciate, too, having somebody that, that has done play-by-play before. Yep. So I want the player for everybody. Here was Carl and Bob on WFAN uh, for the call of that Prescott injury. Prescott on a first and 10. He's going to run it up the middle on a draw. Makes one man miss. Stiff arms another and then slammed down on his right shoulder by Logan Ryan. Oh, he's, he's, oh my gosh. And he's grabbing his oh, right ankle. Oh, my gosh. His leg just went the opposite direction, Bob. Oh, my gosh. His ankle is sticking out of his shoe. His right foot is bent to his right, and his leg is in the opposite direction. Oh, boy. And it's Paul. It's, it's, it, I'm not going to use the word funny, but it's ironic. If we were in the stadium for that game on the road, there's no way Carl notices it that quickly. No. Because he's on the monitor, he's able to see it. And I just thought it was a really, really good, honest reaction from a former athlete. Yes. I thought it was phenomenal. It really is. It's very accurate. It's very real. It's chilling to actually live the play all over again through the emotions that they felt by being able to look at the screen. Because you're right. Remember, in Dallas, folks don't know this. In Dallas, we're like three stories up, catty-cornered in the corner of the end zone. And even though that would have happened in front of the booth in terms of looking down how many stories high, there's no way that our two guys would have been able to see that kind of detail. Yeah, I, I just thought it was. I thought Carl's reaction was just very, very yeah. real and just very, very emotional. Which for anybody that that's played sports, especially you know at the highest well, level competitively, you see something like that, and it, it's it's just John. It gets he was to you. there when Theismann's leg cracked under Man, LT's pressure, you're right? And and Joe Theismann actually tweeted after that injury too, the same way he did. With, uh, with Alex Smith, what was that, two years ago now, I guess? And Alex Smith, by the way, congratulations to him making his way back. And we might see him this week. Yeah, that's true. You might, depending if Kyle Allen's going to be able to go for the Washington football team. I'm one for one. I'm one for one, Paul. <laughs> I avoided saying it the entire hour, John. <laughs> I'm one for one. Good for you. I know. Thank you. I appreciate that. But um, And apparently, the you know Prescott, they're saying four to six months, which which isn't that bad. I thought it'd be worse than that, to be honest with you. Yeah. As long as they can avoid like you know the uh, type of infections and stuff that Alex Smith had to deal with. Because for folks that know, a compound fracture is when the bone goes through the skin. I don't want to yes. get too nasty here. Yes. But that And then that leads to potential infection, which is why Alex Smith... They, you know, they talk about maybe potentially having to amputate his leg. That was one of the reasons why, because of infection. So if they can avoid that, and if he can get back in four to six months, that would be, you know, excellent for him. You know, by all accounts, he's a really good guy, Paul. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully he, he, he comes back and is I, able I, to have a good career. I know we're over here, John, yep. but I'm just going to say one thing. I, I was watching both the Eagles game and the Washington game simultaneously at 1 o'clock on Sunday. I'm sorry we about getting, that. Well, we were getting ready for our pregame <laughs> yeah, that I know. we had to do. Mm-hmm. And... When, when 
Allen got knocked out of the game. It was a helmet-to-helmet hit by Jalen Ramsey. And they all of a sudden, Alex Smith comes trotting out onto the field. Oh, they showed his wife in the stands, right? Oh, my goodness. Wow, yeah. And, I saw and then that he too. gets sacked. John, he was – I mean, he got sacked six times. He, I mean, you talk about duress. Yeah, he got beat up. Uh, the traffic in the pocket was like Times Square at rush hour. It was horrible. And time after time, he's getting folded over and plastered into the ground. And every single time, I sat there saying, please get up. I mean that. I, I was just hoping that he would get up because ev- after everything that's happened to him, it's impossible not to root for him to stay healthy. Nobody, nobody wants to see him get hurt again in any way, shape, or form. And quite frankly, he proved everything he needed to prove. I'd love to see him just walk off into the sunset yeah. right now. Yeah, and much like Dak Prescott, by all accounts, just a, a really good guy and a good leader. Everybody hopes that he's able to you know, finish his career the way he wants to and goes out the way that that he wants, which hopefully he can do. Charlie, we're not going to cut you short. You got a couple of minutes. Go ahead. Okay. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, hey uh, Smith's not going to go out until he wins a game, and uh, he might do it next week. So we'll see. But anyway, hey, I just wanted to say this. You know, you guys, you know, you guys talk about, you know, the cornerbacks. We got five new guys. Keep bringing these guys in. Well, just to go back to some context, like Lance always likes to talk about, David Gettleman had an opportunity to bring in Cockrell. He didn't want to pay him what Cockrell wanted. So maybe Cockrell's not a blue chip, but he's definitely not a cow chip. I call him a con chip because at least he has some fiber and nutrition. What are you talking about? Was... I don't know what that means. <laughs> a corn chip? I don't know what any of that means, Charlie, but go oh, ahead. That's fine. Just, just go. It's okay. I don't yeah. know what any of that means. <laughs> A con chip is not like a blue chip. A con chip. He's a blue chip player. But he's not a cow chip who is horrible, so he's in between. By the way, Charlie, just to be fair, before you go on, I'm sorry, but I have to be fair here because that's what I'm all about. We don't know why those talks fell apart. And and by the way, Ross Cocker also has not played a defensive snap this year. So just just FYI. So, I mean, he's, he's on the fifty three now with yes. Fox. No, I guess that. Well, he he we he, will face him. He he played I'm eleven. He played eleven special team snap this past week. He played zero. Ah, uh, wait. Let me see. That says zero offense. Let me see if I can see how many defensive snaps he played. But I'm not seeing any right now. The point is, nobody will, knows will, why those that. talks broke down, Charlie. So don't just say, "Oh, automatically assume they didn't." Well, want to get and by the way, this, this is and, and this this is not the I first time. By the way, right. and Charlie, this is right. this is not the first time that a team has had a verbal thing with him, and then it hasn't worked out either. So there's there, there, there's well, a history uh, with the player there yeah. too. But all I'm trying to say is, we had an opportunity to get our number two, and we let it go, or he let it go. It doesn't matter. We had a chance. So talking about all these five new guys all the time is, to me, is ridiculous because we put ourselves in that situation. Uh, well, by, by the way, okay. Ro- by the way, Ross Cocker would have been one of the six new guys then. So it's not like he wouldn't have been a new guy. Also, well, he played. Exactly. He played with us. He played with us before, but not with this roster, Charlie. Or this coaching staff. Well, I know, I know. So, so anyway, you can't complain a, in one second about having too many DBs coming in and then wanted to add another one. What are you doing? I wanted, I wanted to have a veteran who could actually play. We had an opportunity. That's all I'm saying. Well, let me move on here. And I like Cockrell. Here we go so. again. Here, yes. here we go again. Jones fumbles again. Now, the sack was not his fault. But the fumble was. No, it, no, no argument. It was cannot, his fault. We know that, Charles. Yeah. You know, we know. He can't get through a game without giving the other team points. 
And, and, and the guy was right. This guy, this last game, and you were talking about, he was dropping back 10 steps, and, and he was throwing off his back foot. He is not progressing. He's regressing. Well, that's it. That's all I want to say about Jones. Now, we had four offensive tackles, supposedly, in 2020 that were not non-missing. They're going to be great tackles. Well, well no, 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 Charlie, no, Charlie, that, that's not true. We said at the time there were four tackles here that are going to get drafted yeah. in the top 15, and this was the quote for me. Not all of these guys are going to be great. That was my quote. Not every one of these guys was going to be great. Right. You got to make sure you don't you wind up with one of the guys that is. Yeah. And well, so right one now, month into the season, games, you're ready to crucify picked... Andrew Thomas, right? No, is that no, the point? I'm, look, I'm just saying right now he is worse than the other three in grading and what he's doing. He is the worst, okay? That's all I'm saying. He might get better and he might be fine in a year or so, but right now he is not. Charlie, okay. call us back in 10 years, and you tell me how the four rank, okay? Right now, okay, I don't care. I will. <laughs> if I'm I don't. alive, I'll well, call you back. Well, how about five years? How about five? I don't want to All still right, be doing five, this to you in 10 years, fine. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I figure I got and another me, 20 to go. Oh, sadly, you do. <laughs> and, and about the defense, like I said, which defense is going to show up? The one that played against the Rams, was that just a fluke, or is that was just a matchup? Or the one that played against the 49ers. Well, guess what? We got the defense that played against the 49ers because we couldn't make a stop when we needed to. And this defense was not good. It, we had one good game, and uh blows my mind how this defense cannot make a stop when we need to make a stop. And look, when Daniel Jones had that ball two minutes left, and he could not even go down the field three and out in one minute, that wasn't and, and go and down there and get a – huh? It, it, it wasn't it, three and out technically. They got one first down in the drive, but that's okay. Oh, they did? Yeah, okay. that's okay. Sorry Don't worry about, about it. It's all right. But it's it was right. quick. It was oh, quick. So they had five minute. snaps. <laughs> they had five snaps. Yeah, yeah. And, and couldn't go down there and try a field goal to win the game. That is total failure to me. He, he is it, – it's just total failure. And just uh, what else do I have? No, I talked I think about that's Thomas. It. I think that's all. I think that's, I think that's, I think that's all you got, <laughs> no, Charles. All I'm, say, all I'm saying is if, if you know, everyone thinks we're going to beat Washington because this is a game that we're going to beat them because they're not that good, all I want to know is, all I want to hear is when we lose to these guys, let's, let's start really talking about how bad this offense is, how bad this defense is, and how bad this quarterback is. Thank you, Charlie. We got to run, but I appreciate it. Look, we, we hear you. Look, we hear you. We understand you're frustrated. We get it. We're, you know, you're upset. Look, bottom line, Paul, we'll leave it with this, and Pearson's got to go work. He's, you know, been here for an extra 10 minutes. This is very Lance Meadow-ish of us right here going Yes, late. it really is. I know, but we, <laughs> we ended up getting on our Prescott-Smith tangent, which was, which was our fault. It was on me. Well, I, yeah, but I, Smith I, I is wa- a classy, appropriate topic this week. Well, and I wanted you to hear the play-by-play call because I thought it was a really good call. Yeah, it was. Um, but, look— I don't care who the Giants are playing, Paul. For them to win games, they have to play well. If they come out there and they play like they did against the 49ers, the Giants can lose against anybody. Mm-hmm. Anybody. Yep. Anybody. So don't make it sound like that we're guaranteeing wins this week. That's not what we're doing. Nope. The Giants have to go out there and play well this week if they want to beat Washington. Correct. That's it. Thank That's you, it. Paul. 
Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us on Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by New York Lottery. Get out there and play. And as a reminder, you can find Big Blue Kickoff Live on our Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find it in the archive of all of our shows, Big Blue Kickoff Live, the Giants Huddle, Giants Rewind, on the Giants mobile app, on Giants.com slash podcast, and on all your favorite podcast platforms. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for sticking with us for overtime today on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you next time, everybody. Stay safe.